Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron White here with Dave and Lee. Dave, welcome. Lee, you as well. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. So excited to chat with you today about your fabulous book called Super Survivors. Tell me a little bit about why you wrote this book and what really was the focal point when you began this incredible search exercise that you must have gone through to create this fabulous book. Well, I think we each come at it from a different angle. So I am a professor of psychology. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've done research on uh, things related to, say, post-traumatic growth for, or excuse me, post-traumatic stress disorder for a long time. And I think everybody is familiar with post-traumatic stress disorder, the nightmares and the flashbacks that visit so many people who have had trauma and problems in life. Um, and this is a serious problem that deserves serious conversation. But I think what a lot of people aren't familiar with is the fact that PTSD only happens in about 20 to 30% of cases of trauma. Um, and let me hit you with another statistic. Uh, in about 50 to 80% of cases of trauma, people grow as a result of that trauma. They may see the grass is greener and the sky is bluer. They may deepen in their spirituality or deepen in their relationships. Um, they may change their lives dramatically, uh, you know, move across the country, change, change uh, their, their jobs. And these, these latter group of people who really radically change their lives and bounce forward after trauma, we call super survivors. And I really wanted to find out how do they do that? This, this phenomenon I saw in so many of my, my clients and patients. And, and Lee, I, I'll let him talk about it, but he came at it from a very different angle, which was a much more personal angle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I come from a, a journalism background. Uh, you know, I was in marketing and uh, journalism and, and writing and I wrote for television and, and things like that. And at the age of 29, I also uh, took on a new category of, of, uh, of identity. I became a cancer survivor. And, you know, obviously that was a really uh, kind of devastating moment in my life. And when I came out of it, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm fine, and this is about seven years ago. But when I came out of it, I, I became really, really focused and interested on the ways that people bounce back from trauma, not just cancer survivorship, but but all kinds of trauma, uh, you know, from genocide to, to illness to natural disasters. And that just kind of naturally led me to, to meet a number of really incredible survivors who have gone on to not only bounce back, but bounce forward and change their lives as a result of having experienced uh, a trauma in their lives. And, you know, I think that's where Dave and I kind of uh, met. You know, we had this, uh, that was our sweet spot looking at both the research and the, the amazing stories that kind of go along with what is uh, known in, in, in psychology as post-traumatic growth. Could you explain this, this, this concept that, that perhaps when we go through a trauma that we're in fact programmed to reevaluate our, our definition of happiness and our place in the world? Is that what the book is suggesting? And, and why is that happening, if so? Well, first, let me say that trauma is 
is just plain a bad thing. I mean, whether it's the tra- the serious kinds of traumas, a lot of which we talk about in the book, um, or whether it's the normal setbacks and failures and difficulties of life that we all experience, um, there's nothing in our book that say that says that trauma, losses, failures are a good thing. They're not. But it's true. The human um, spirit, the human um, mental system has an amazing ability to be resilient. And not only that, to use these opportunities, to use suffering as an opportunity for, for growth um, and for to even bounce forward and have success. And I think one of the ways that we've seen that people do that in the research, but also in the 17 super survivors that we profile in the book, is that trauma has made them step back and ask, how do I really want to live? It's caused them to sort of evaluate their lives and say, you know, here I almost died. Uh, I now realize life is short. Uh, And that's a difficult realization. But given that, who do I really want to be? And then they begin to set goals that are more value consistent and take steps towards making those goals reality. Tell me about these characters and superheroes that you have not only, you know, identified, but have, have, have painted a picture of. Can, can you talk about that, that art of, of finding these people, d- developing their stories, and, and, and bringing those stories to life in the book? Well, sure. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Most of the people um, that we interviewed um, would actually not define themselves as superheroes. And the truth is, um, they're not. One of the wonderful things that we took away from meeting, you know, we did over 150 interviews, um, was that they're no different than you or me. Um, they are normal, normal people. And that's the, it kind of lines up with the, the research too, that, you know, between 15 and 80% of us will, I'm sorry, be, you know, roughly 70 to 80% of us will experience the trauma in our lifetime. And, um, that's a very, uh, you know, it's a very normal thing for, for people to experience. And, it, it, it's a good thing that these people aren't superheroes because it means that we can all learn and change and grow um, the way that these these people have as well. You know, we found them using different um, different techniques. Obviously, we we found a lot of them online. We um, met people uh, directly who would say, you know, I have a you know I don't think I have a remarkable story, but my friend does, and this is someone you should talk to. And of course, the person we were speaking to first has a remarkable story to tell. And a friend also has a remarkable story to tell. So that really led us from person to person. In other cases, we actually even found little obituaries of people who had had died but had lived remarkable lives. And we kind of traced back through their history and met people who knew them and loved them and who were there to see them do remarkable things. And that led us to different stories as well. Do Do you feel that we need a traumatic event in our lives to reset and refocus our priorities? No, I don't think we feel that way. And interestingly, I don't think any of the super survivors we interviewed um, feel that way either. Um, One of the people that we interviewed uh, was named um, Betty Williams. And and I'll really quickly tell you her story. She was a housewife uh, and a a mother and I believe a secretary um, living in Northern Ireland. And she witnessed some violence by the Irish Republican Army. She witnessed actually two children uh, be murdered in a car accident that that was subsequent to a, a police chase. And this jarred her, and she started thinking, am I really leading the life that I want? I mean, part of, 
part of her sought justice and, and sought a real meaningful life. And so she began to knock on doors and to petition for peace. And she started uh, organizing these rallies of women, uh, and they, they formed an organization that eventually led to, um, to peace in Northern Ireland. And she won the Nobel Peace Prize along with a couple of other people. And we asked her, you know, tell us about you. Tell us about how extraordinary you are. And her response, just like Lee said, was, I'm not extraordinary. I'm normal. In fact, she accepted the Nobel Prize on behalf of ordinary men and women who every day strive for peace. And we also asked her, do you think that you need to have a trauma in order to do some of the things that you said? And she said, no, not at all. In fact, she and the other super survivors that we interviewed all said that what they hoped our book would be, would be a kind of guide for people so that, that ordinary people who maybe have encountered normal setbacks and obstacles in life, which we all do, but don't haven't necessarily encountered a trauma, can learn from these extraordinary people, how to live a full, meaningful, satisfying, important life. And, and I think that's, I hope, fingers crossed, that's what we accomplished in the book. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood for you. <clears throat> Thanks. What do superstars do that many of us don't do in the course and journey of our lives? I think uh, when I think of superstars, one particular story comes up for me. Um, which is the story of Asha Mevlana. So we didn't, we didn't necessarily interview superstars uh, in the book, although this is a woman who became a superstar. Um, I'll, start, I'll start the story and I'll hand it off to Lee because I know he wants to tell you the punchline of it. And I mean, here's a woman in her 20s who started off um, a sort of work-a-day businesswoman in New York. And then something that shouldn't happen to anybody at age 25, she encountered, uh, she, she contracted a really virulent form of breast cancer. And I'll let Lee tell the rest of the story. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was, you know, like uh, everybody else in her twenties in New York, living a, a great life and life was good for her. And she was young and beautiful and making a lot of money. Uh, so when, you know, the diagnosis came through, it really floored her as it does with many uh, young people, myself included. When I, uh, received my diagnosis. Um, and, you know, for her, though, the hardest part wasn't the, uh, the treatment. It wasn't the radiation chemotherapy, the, the surgeries. It was actually uh, coming out of it when she was told that she was done with treatment and she could go back to living her life, but she didn't know what that looked like anymore, given everything she had been through, uh, knocked her out of her life. Um, so she quit her job, and for lack of anything better to do, she started taking improvisational violin lessons. Um, the violin was something that she had always enjoyed doing, but had never really done, you know, um, certainly not professionally. And um, she started getting some gigs with some bands in New York, and then she moved to uh, visited L.A. for a bit and was told, you know, you could actually make a pretty decent living you know, playing backup electric violin for some bands here. Within a year of moving to L.A., she had a recording contract with Universal Records, was playing on the uh, American Idol band, the Tonight Show band, um, playing with Alanis Morissette, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, going around the world with CeeLo Green. Um, she became a bona fide rock star. And, you know, we asked her, you know, what was it that allowed you to do this? And she said, you know, it wasn't so much the trauma, though the trauma was, you know, really shook her out of it. It was um, a combination of different factors that she learned as a result of experiencing her trauma. 
And I think one of them was that she learned how, in a sense, to live the kind of life she wanted to learn. It got her in contact with her values. And, you know, the research shows this, that when we are pursuing goals that are really meaningful to us, that are really consistent with who we feel we are, we not only put more effort in, we're more motivated, but we tend to succeed more often. And I, I think that shouldn't be surprising. And yet, and yet my experience is so few of us actually do that. Hmm. Do you feel that there's a GPS in our brain that we can control or influence or turn on or reset that will lead us to superstar status and achieving higher goals? Well, I don't know that any of us have a GPS. Um, I mean, I think, and I don't know that any of us have a, an infallible map. Um, but I think what we do have, what we do have is if we really check in with ourselves, most of us have a sense of what's important to us in life and what our values are and what our goals are and what's meaningful. I do think, though, that life can run away with you. Uh, just like for Asha, life ran away with her and she was titillated by the urge to make money and be a businesswoman and live the New York life, all these sort of external things that people told her uh, are good. And she kind of forgot, I think, in many respects to check in with herself about what was important. I think the trauma, uh, setbacks, failures, losses are horrible, but can make us look at our lives and check in with what's really important with us. But I don't think we'd need those things. In fact, I think every listener out there right now can take 15 minutes and sit down and can uh, journal about it or think about it. What's really meaningful to you? You don't need a trauma for that. And I think that's the closest we have as human beings to a GPS. How does hope fit into the, into the picture, particularly when you're faced with trauma, for example, you all of a sudden have to cling to this concept of hope. How does hope fit into this picture of, of, of gaining superstar status? Sure. I mean, again, I'm not sure if it's superstar status we want to talk about as much. I as just love that word. I keep status. using it. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I love that word. I think it's no, I think and motivating, and we all want to be superstar superheroes. <laughs> So I'm it's, just it's interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> it's interesting because you know we also talk to people who didn't achieve what you'd call superstar status, but who did achieve meaningful status in their own lives. We talked to a guy um, who ran a company, a multi-million-dollar company, and because of his trauma, actually ended up selling his company, giving away all his worldly prevent, pr pr um, pr property, and then becoming a priest because this was what was meaningful to him. But the answer to the hope question is is a long one, and I know we're coming up on a break, but I'll, I'll give you as short of an answer as I can. Um, so we asked people, what helped you and uh, to become super survivors? And almost all of our super survivors started by telling us what didn't help them. And what didn't help them, they said, was positive thinking. That many of them were given the advice, just think positive and everything will magically turn out okay. If you put your mind on the positive, good things will happen. If you put your mind on the negative, bad things will happen. And people said that was so disempowering to them because it meant that they needed to lie to themselves because after trauma, you don't feel positive. And so what people told us really helped them was realistic thinking, something that we came to call grounded hope. And there's two pieces to this. Um, the first part is the grounded part. 
which is realistically and bravely admitting to yourself what has happened to you. Yes, I've lost a leg and I'm only 25 years old. Yes, I've gone blind as a young man. Yes, I just lost my family in genocide. Yes, I just lost my job or my fortune. And not trying to deny or distort it with positive thinking. But then to go on to do a second thing, which is to say, given where I am in life, given that I can't hit the reset button and go back and, and make everything better, what can I do from here on out to make my life as good as it can be given where I am? And that is an incredibly hopeful question to ask that is grounded in reality. And then to begin to dream and set goals and put one foot in front of the other, marshalling your strengths to march toward a better future. It's a very grounded yet hopeful approach and one that I think all of our super survivors told us they used. Let's take a break, everybody. Back just in a few minutes. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio iTunes, Stitcher, and the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, David and Lee. Pleasure having you on the show today. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. This is great to be here. It's been fun. <laughs> it has for us. <laughs> I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the stress that we all tend to go through in our lives, in our busy lives, and how there's 
so many things that we stress about that are outside of our control, right? And when you go through a traumatic situation, that tends to be crystallized. Would you agree with that? And is that part of what somebody that's gone through trauma is experiencing? Is a reality check. Uh, uh, and, and can you talk about that a little bit, about our stress, our own stress we're under, how that might limit us with our own uh, achieving goals and how that may quickly change and evaporate with, with one event that happens in our lives? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you an answer to that, and then, and then we'll, I want to talk about um, one of our super survivors, Alan Locke. Um, so the quick answer to that is absolutely. I mean, uh, I think we are, certainly as Americans, I think we have this can-do attitude, and we're sort of taught that everything is under our control and that we should never give up, never give in, uh, and that we will eventually get uh, everything we want in life. And I think the truth that people realize um, as they age and mature, and certainly as they encounter traumas and obstacles in life, is not everything is under our control. But life throws stuff at us, and we can't necessarily control what life throws at us, but we can control what we do with that. And that is that grounded hope business that we talked about before, that accepting the reality of what's happening to you, but then asking yourself that brave and hopeful question, what can I do from here? And this leads us to the topic of giving up. Um, you know, giving up is not celebrated in our culture. We're told never to give up. And yet the research is very clear that when something really isn't possible to achieve, when a goal really is blocked for us, and the truth is, is that that happens occasionally in life where a goal really isn't possible, that it actually is a good idea for our mental health, but also for our success to give up on that goal. And by giving up on that goal, it can actually open our mental field of vision to other goals, other possibilities that we may not have known about. And that leads us to the story of, of Alan Locke, who's a guy who always had the goal of being in the British Royal Navy since he was a little kid, little British kid. And as he, he got older, he indeed did join the Navy and was a navigation officer and achieved his dream uh, but then the unthinkable happened, and, and Lee can tell you the rest. It's funny. We always kind of uh, start off with, and then the unthinkable happened. And that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of what winds up happening with these, these stories. I mean, that's the thing. We never ex anticipate, really, these sorts of things happening. But, you know, Alan, as, as Dave said, was that, you know, his dream was really to be in the British Royal Navy for life. That was his goal, and he worked really hard at it. And uh, one night, the unthinkable in his case, was that he went blind um, almost overnight. He couldn't read the navigational charts uh, one evening, and the next morning his vision wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse, and he was diagnosed very quickly after that with macular degeneration. Uh, within a matter of weeks, he would lose all uh, vision in his eyes. And, <clears throat> you know, he was really facing losing his position in the Royal Navy, his independence, all of his dreams, all of his hopes that he had really worked so hard for. And uh, no matter, you know, how hard he tried, he couldn't change any of this. He couldn't change the outcome of this. And he actually had to give up all of these dreams, including uh, he wound up leaving the Royal Navy, got a job at a bank. Um, he uh, lost his independence, and he was you know, really had to give up the idea that he could do what he wanted to do, uh, as, as one would with um, a you know, perfect vision. But then you cut to a couple of years later, and he set a new goal for himself, and that new goal was pretty outrageous. Um, he became the very first person 
a blind person, that is, to get into a rowboat and row across the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, this was not a goal that he had ever thought about um, before this, this event happened in his life. But once he uh, disengaged from the goal of being in the Royal Navy, he re-engaged in his new goal of becoming the first blind person to row across the Atlantic Ocean, or any of the world's oceans, really. And he did. He actually uh, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for that now. Wow. A great story. Do super survivors have a feeling perpetually that something unexpected might happen again? And is that a motivator for them? You know, I, I don't know that they have the looming sense that something unexpected will happen for them. I, 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 I didn't hear anyone tell us that they were sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop in a negative way. But I do think that what they all experienced in common was a very palpable sense that life is temporary. You know, we all walk through life not really thinking about the fact that our time is limited. We are mortal. It's not pleasant to think about. But the research actually shows, this is, there's fascinating re- work, re- work on this, uh, where a, a, a person named um, Casalino was his last name, did a study where he brought participants in and he had them sit down and for 15 minutes imagine their own death where it might happen, how it might happen, what might happen to their body after they die, but also to think about the legacy that they will leave and what they want others to say about them when they're gone. And what his research found is that that contemplating mortality in this particular way leads people to be less selfish. It leads people to be more motivated. It leads people to be more spiritual. Basically, it leads people to be better people. It leads people down a path of super survival. And I think that a lot of our super survivors would agree with that, that this experience, while it did show them that life is temporary, it also focused them on what's important, even though they're not necessarily waiting for the other shoe to drop at any moment. Hmm. Did you find any trends in your analysis and in research like you know, clinging closer to your friends and family or changing your spending habits or traveling more, or working less or not becoming a working holic. Uh, you know, were, were, there, were there trends that you've discovered in, in, in the journey of, of, of the super survivor? Well, there are really four things that we discovered. I mean, there are eight principles that we identify in the book that, are, that super survivors tend to use to bounce forward. But there are kind of four things that any of us can do right now to help ourselves to be super survivors in our life right now, whether or not we've encountered a trauma, and certainly to prepare us if we do. And one of them is be realistic. As we talked about before, denial or distortion of the negative things that can sometimes happen to us may feel good temporarily, but it makes bouncing forward in the long run a lot harder because you can't deal with a problem if you're not being realistic about it. Number two, as we talked about, don't be afraid to give up when something's not working, that sometimes by giving up on something that's really not working, it can open us up to new possibilities. Um, A third one is focus on what you can change. You know, focus on what you realistically can do. Uh, It will ultimately lead to success. And one that you just mentioned, uh, 
was was social support, noticing the people who are there for you and being willing to call on them. This is, the research shows, really clearly related to resilience after setbacks and obstacles in life. And um, we interviewed a woman who had a very important story to tell about, about that, whose name is Amanda Wigall. Um, yeah, Amanda was... We, uh... Yeah, Amanda was just a, a really amazing woman. She, um, a couple of years ago, was on a, on a boat. She was a, a, a water skiing, and uh, she was in a boating accident. Her fiancé was uh, driving the boat, and another boat came into their lane, and he swerved to get out of the way, and she swung into the oncoming boat, hit her head, went into the water uh, with a traumatic brain injury. And a couple of things happened when she went into the water, uh, or were happening. Well, one... She was a very popular person. She had a lot of friends, um, a lot of, uh, uh, she was a sorority uh, girl. She had uh, just to know her is to love her, and everybody loved her. Um, also at the time, it was right when the uh, economy was about to bottom out. So she, uh, a couple of weeks later, she wakes up uh, from uh, a 30-day coma, and uh, she has to relearn how to walk and relearn how to talk and relearn how to think. And one of the things she also relearns is that she is the owner of a small company called Brandables um, out in Phoenix. And, you know, they make little logos and things for cups and mugs and T-shirts. And her company um, was going under, just like every other uh, business or or small business or many of them in in Phoenix at that time. She wound up um, uh, rehabilitating herself as well as her business at the same time. And she did this, um, she says, through uh, social support. But the interesting thing that happened to her was that when she was recovering, as things, as we do, you know, there's a, a phase where everybody comes and gives us a lot of support and love, but all the support, um, our social uh, connections, wind up going on and living their own lives again. And you start to feel kind of abandoned by your social network. And yet... She said this out of one side of her mouth. And the other side of her mouth, she was saying, I had a lot of support that was actually helping me recover both emotionally, physically, and my business to, to succeed and become a multi-million dollar business down in Phoenix. And so we asked her what that was, and it really was a, uh, a kind of a, a paradox here. Yeah, so, I mean, she's saying, on the one hand, a lot of her friends turned their backs because they didn't know how to help her. And on, on the other hand, she's saying that what helped me to rehabilitate myself and my company was, was social support. So we asked you, well, what do you mean? And she said, you know what? You know who was still there for me was my fiancé and my mom. And I think that's an important lesson, that it's not the quantity of the social support. It's the sense that there still are, even if it's one or two people there, who have your back. And that is an extremely important lesson I think we all can learn uh, that can help us to bounce forward in life. That introduces an interesting question on the other side of the table here, and that is that, you know, we do tend to feel very good when we support people that have gone through trauma, um, whether it be an abusive situation or whatever it is, or, you know, wonderful, or you know, nonprofit organizations founded to help people and supporting those organizations help. What's really happening there? Are we kind of fueling the super survivor, if you will? I think we do feel good when we help other people. And, 
it so happens that a lot of the super survivors we interviewed went on to help other people, um, uh-huh. uh, you know, who, who either by, by uh, we, one woman went on to uh, join the um, Holocaust Memorial Council after being a victim of genocide herself and speaks uh-huh. for the UN about the dangers of genocide. Another man founded uh, a refugee organization that helps to organize uh, and, 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 and bring in people from other countries who have been victims of torture. Uh, I mean, just amazing things. And I, I I do think that it is incredibly rewarding to help other people. And we are, in fact, helping other people to be super survivors, even while uh, at the same time, in a sense, being super survivors ourselves. Absolutely. I'd like to uh, learn, I'd like for our listeners to learn how they can get a hold of you and who you would like to get a hold of you. Could you talk uh, with the audience a little bit about that? Well, obviously, we'd like people to read our book. Um, We wrote it because we want to make the world a better place, because we feel like it's not just a book that tells the stories and the science about trauma survival, but actually is a guide to living for all of us, learning from people who have both encountered horrible things in life that we all fear encountering and have done extraordinarily amazing things in life that we all wish we could do. So um, Super Survivors, The Surprising Link Between Suffering and Success is the book. You can find more about it at supersurvivors.com. You can also type Super Survivors, all one word, into Facebook, and you can like our page where we have all kinds of updates. Lee, any final words from you? <laughs> no, just honestly, I think that that really is it. We love hearing from people. We love um, you know, one of the best parts about touring with this book is, you know, <laughs> we do get the, the opportunity to read from it. Uh, but mainly, for me anyway, I think I can speak for Dave as well. It's the people who come up to us afterward and say, you know what? I don't know if I'm a super survivor or not, but I have a story to tell you. And it always tells us uh, the most remarkable stories of, of resilience, of bouncing back and bouncing forward. And, um, and that has been, I think, for me, and probably for Dave as well, uh, one of the most absolutely rewarding things. So we encourage people to, if they like the book, they read it and it resonates with them, to, to shoot us an email um, or like us on Facebook. And we, we respond to those really, really quickly. Dave, Lee, it's been great, for, great having you on the show. Thanks very much. Thank you. And our pleasure. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed the show myself today. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and propelling towards becoming a superhero, super survivor, and or superhero, I might add, which, which can happen without going through trauma. Welcome back next week if you're there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.